odds are your break is going to come because of that skill set that you have that no one else has and they have no other choice but to pick you or three other people instead of other role waiter number three there's 10,000 people they could pick from and it's really throwing forward but when you play to your strengths then there's only like three or four people that can fill that role. Hey everybody, this is Cameron Aubel-Brannigan and you are listening to the Cameron AB Show. I'm sitting down with my good friend and actor Lyman Chen. You might have known him from The Departed, Bull, Mr. Robot, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and so much more. We talk a little bit about his unconventional way into the business uh, and a lot of great nuggets of advice for anybody. So thanks so much for tuning in and let's jump right into it. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell people who don't know you what oh. you're about? Well, thanks, Cameron. Um, <laughs> my name is Lyman Chen. I'm an actor. Um, I did not start off as an actor. I actually got into it, um, my God, probably 18, 18 years ago. Um, I was in banking and had a lot um, of, and I'm an entrepreneur by nature, so yeah, I'm in real estate business and, you know, it's just something that I've always been fascinated with just from the outside. Um, I had never done school plays or anything like that. In fact, I was actually petrified of any kind of performance uh, type stuff. It just wasn't kind of in my cards. But one thing I was really into is I kind of grew up um, with English as a second language and I kind of felt T television and movies at the time when I was growing up in the seventies, that's a long time ago, but in the 1970s, like, you know, um, I thought that was my way to kind of get engaged in uh, American culture. And obviously, you know, I had to really work really hard to get rid of my Chinese accent when I was growing up. Like I didn't really um, pick up English too well, even though I was born in the country, I, my parents were immigrants. So, you know, I didn't really get, down and dirty with English until I was in like kindergarten or nursery school. So I kind of was at a little disadvantage. So I kind of used movies and television as my um, kind of my escape into American culture. So I've always had this love affair with movies and, you know, I'm the guy that would sit there and quote, you know, Rocky Horror or Star Wars, (laughs) you know, know, Star Trek. I would be able to memorize any movie and kind of, you know. Because that was the culture for you. Like, that's what you knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah makes total yeah. sense. So I think when I kind of got later on in life, I got established and I always wanted to, I, you know, I kind of got very into sales and, you know, I was become a you know, fairly decent salesman. And hmm. I kind of felt, you know, you know, um, the, the long story is like I would watch television and I would see like Asian actors that were, you know, specifically men, at that time and I would always like say to my wife like oh my god that was just terrible like I know I could do it you could do better than that <laughs> you know and, you know just being like just complete hater yeah. um but my wife was kind of like you know these guys they get to school for this stuff I mean it's not that it's not easy I mean yeah you yeah you think it's easy and I was like well you know I, I was just different from sales you know and um so my wife um she got me a, an acting class uh, for my 30th birthday oh. And, um, you know, I kind of just was my entree in and I found it really fascinating. And then I was very lucky because at the time 
going way back. This is, I think, 2000, 2002, 2001. Yeah, probably 2002. Um, Mike Lemon at the time was the predominant casting director in Philly. Right. And um, I took a class with him. And, um, you know, was, he at the time had just cast Unbreakable. And he at the time was casting a television series for CBS called Hack. And um, I was lucky I was taking the class at the time. And this kind of just goes to your viewers that sometimes you just have to be in the right place at the right time and just be lucky. Yeah. Um, because at the time, like I kind of noticed with my wife, I said, there's very few Asian actors at the time in the early 2000s, um, more so because there wasn't a lot of work for us, even if you were in the business. But yeah. culturally, being a performer is probably one of the lowest things in our culture that you could probably strive to be in in our culture so it's very frowned upon so it was always discouraged. it wasn't even an option for me to pursue arts um growing up um you know just like you know i'm sure all the cultures feel the same way but yeah. in the asian culture it's um very predominant just because it's very based on especially for a, a, a male like how are you going to provide for a family um so that's why it's always like you know oh why are you why you not doctor, you know, why I go to Harvard, you know, there's all these, you know, yeah. crazy stereotypes that you always hear about, but that's, you know, there's some truth to it. Um, so don't fast forward, like I said, yeah. when I went to this class, was, um, I remember Michael Lemon was like, kind of like, whoa, you know, who are you? And I said, oh, I'm here to take your class. And he was like, oh my God. And it was kind of one of those, like, I hope you can half act, you know, because we could really use you. Yeah. Um, and he kind of, I remember back in the day, he took me to this file room where at the time everyone had, they, there was nothing digitized. So it was like, everyone had like literally headshot and they had them in these big ass file rooms where this file cabinet's full of stuff. And it kind of drove it home for him because he was like, well, here's the whole wall of all the white men and here's the wall of all the black men and so forth. So forth. And then he was kind of like, you know, in this drawer here, if you open it and you open it up and he's like, well, Inside there's a there's like four folders. There's One. Native Americans, there's Eskimos, and then there's the Asian men. And it was literally out of you know it was like basically one file with maybe five people in there from age eighteen to seventy five. Right. So you know so you kind of realize that there was an opportunity there, and there weren't anywhere near the diversity initiatives there are then. But um you know in a nutshell that's how I got started. Got in. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily he was casting this TV show. Um, well, well, he actually asked me to audition for something like there that week for um, what's called an industrial. So you yeah. don't know what industrial is basically a training video that when you watch those, you work for a company and they make you watch these horrible videos where you're like, Oh my God, where did they get these actors from? Been there, done that. Well, yep. you know, he had me come yep. in for one and you know, I booked it. And I mean, it was interesting because I was like, I don't even know what to do. And he's like, well, are you, literally take this and you memorize these lines and you come back and you, you know, you say them. Like I had no acting experience whatsoever, but you know, they needed an Asian man right. to do the role. So I did, you know, so I luckily booked it, but um, not to ramble on, but basically what happened was I ended up being a background actor for probably a year and a half because of this TV show. So mm. I kind of figured that this would be my master class. Uh, this would be my training of just, watching the two stars at the time it was um david morris and andre brower so okay. i was like hey you know these two actors are the top of the game kind of actors so i might as well just watch them yeah. and see how they do it and then more importantly watch all the inner workings of a set you know because i've never been on the set before right. which 
was just amazing to me. So, um, you know, over the course of the year, I really just learned what I needed to learn. And obviously, you know, learn through yeah. uh, trial by fire, um, how to audition for stuff. And, and at this time, you were still in real estate. You were still running a business. Yeah, yeah. At the yeah. time, I, I mean, I had the fortitude of 2002. You know, some of your viewers are probably not even born then, but um, it was during a very big real estate boom. So, you know, yeah. business-wise, like the money was there. And obviously, I was doing quite well financially. So this was actually a very nice time for me because I was kind of like, hey, you know what, I can go after some personal goals, like my bucket list of things in life. And that's why the acting kind of presented itself. I was like, this is something that I felt was such an impossible kind of task to have and just kind of a dream, dream, you know, situation. And I said, oh, you know what, this looks like a lot of fun. And, um, you know, yeah, obviously it was, I'm not going to make it seem like it was a real easy ride, but comparatively to compare to most actors, I'd much, I think I wouldn't trade my, opportunities and my timeline versus other people now yeah. now because because you saw what was kind of in front of you kind of the mountain and having it as a dream but still having you know a good footing and a good career do you think that kind of took the pressure off oh yeah yeah oh yeah because i mean i when you are auditioning for something especially if you haven't booked a role on a tv show or you know a real Any, legit role right. on a, you know, TV show or a movie. I mean, there's so much pressure, even if you are, you know, financially stable, it's still a lot of pressure, but I can imagine if you are worried about uh-uh. it, that adds even more pressure. And I get that. Uh, yeah. you know, um, but I think at, at the end of the day, you, you still have to be able to deal with pressure. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I'm not going to make it seem like it took me 10 years of my career to even understand how to audition for roles. Like I just, right you know, I completely crapped the bed so many times leading up to where I'm at now. So you just kind of have to, you know, I could tell you how to avoid a lot of mistakes, but you're going to have to just completely Do shit it. the bed, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, a couple of times in your career to get, you know, that understand the process. Right. You know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I feel very lucky that I had a performing career before I started mm-hmm. acting. I, you know, I was a dancer and, you know, you're literally very vulnerable in any audition. Um, yeah. So I kind of got some of that out of my system. Now, of course, yeah. I'm, I'm dancing and I'm not, you know, emoting and saying sides and, you know, have, having to memorize, um, which is different. But the same feeling is kind of there, that same pressure. And yeah. there, there does come a point in which it just kind of opens up. Where you just kind of well, it is it is what it is. It's out of my control. I'm just going to go yeah. have fun. So, yeah. yeah, no, I think the biggest acting tip I always give to people is like, I think once you people would say this to me, and I never really absorbed it. They would be like, "Well, it's not like you're a brain surgeon. If you, you know, slip up, the person's gonna die. Like, or they're gonna be brain damaged, or you know, whatever they go. Yeah, no, as seriously serious as we take this business is much drama we like to make it i think if you go into an audition saying you know what no one's gonna die like diane here he's not gonna no. see your performance and just fall over and not have a heart yeah. attack and not yeah. you know i mean it's you know and i think once you kind of have not just if you truly buy into that that mentality that hey you know worst case is i'm gonna completely you know crap myself and it's gonna be the worst thing ever and then 
guess what? The next year I feel like crap for a day, but then the next day you're just going to move on. Yeah. So I think if you take that pressure off you, I think your performance and then your more importantly, I think a lot of times with these, what I realized with these auditions, especially in the beginning, like you're only saying two lines and you're like cop number three and you're saying, mm-hmm. You know, hey, well, ma'am, you know, uh, you know, well, you know, yeah. the guy got yeah. shot in the stomach, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I think that you put so much pressure on it that that nervousness shows. So the last thing the casting director wants to see is, oh, my God, this guy's nervous. Yeah. And he's got three lines. So there's no way I'm going to put him on him, her on set. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. where they're just going to completely like freeze up. And I, yeah, I, I, I think you're the one who told me um, uh, actually a couple months ago when I first met it, it you know, you're they're, they're not just seeing if you can do the role, but they're seeing that, you know, can, can you hang on set with these bigger name people? Oh yeah. Are you, are you going to be comfortable around other actors? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of it, I mean, people are like, so the common thing I hear from actors starting like, well, I don't know why they don't just give me a chance. It's just two lines and yeah. you know, you know, anyone can do it. I'm like, yeah, but that's the whole thing. They can, they can get anyone that's done 20 of those projects and they're just going to bet on the horse that what they bet with the devil they know. So the hardest, yeah. you know, chicken or the egg with most actors is like, well, I need, in order for me to get work, I need to obviously get work. Well, how am I going to get work if I don't have, so it's this like chicken or the egg that I think every actor has, you know, and it's very frustrating, obviously, because, you know, it may take years, it may never happen, or, you know, you, you literally have to just literally, like I, I said, I, you have to almost step in shit, you know, just, you know, you have to really just step in it once in a while and just get lucky. But I mean, if you look at, I think you have to step back from your own ego and say, well, I believe myself, but you have to see from the viewpoint of the casting or the production saying, well, yeah, we're paying this guy a thousand dollars for the day. Mm-hmm. And, but if they totally freeze up and they completely screw up, well, it's not, they just lost a thousand dollars. They lost yeah. probably like a half million dollars because they had to shut things down they're not going to find an actor to do it on the spot. At least if they do, it's going to be not what they wanted. Right. And they're certainly going to be really upset at the money that's on the line. So then that's why, you know, sometimes, you know, there's times where I'm sure I've beaten out another actor who had a much better audition. But then when they look at my credits, they go, oh, well, he's worked with, you know, Scorsese or, you yeah. know, M. Night, you know, you know, he's yeah. worked with, you know, the, they're like, well, I know he can handle the pressure. I mean, he's worked with, you know, Scorsese, you know, so, right. um, you know, and that's just an unfortunate part of it. But it's just, but that's how all business is. It's like when right. I was in the corporate world, it's a lot of it's like, yeah, this Joey works his ass up, but, you know, this other guy, you know, you know, you know, Cindy really just, know, you know, just is, you know, you know, just articulate and she, you know, just knows how to, you know, she just has a good vibe and yep. it's just all this subjective nonsense that, right. you know, sometimes that's what you get the job for. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're all stuck at home. We're all just quarantined. And I know some actors who are going crazy working on monologues and submitting stuff willy nilly. Um, Do you think that this is a good time to just kind of shoot your shot in the dark when it comes to like agents and things or do you think that everything's just going to be low and just wait oh, no i think you should be doing even now in my at any stage i mean you should always be doing that regardless but now you don't have the excuse like i think the problem that most actors would say have is they'd be like well you know i'm gonna write you know 
10 letters a week to the to the, all the agents or you know, I'm gonna go to backstage and I'm gonna download all the casting directors and I'm gonna send them headshots mm. or resumes. And of course, every actor I know that says they're gonna do it, they never do it because they're gonna find something else to do. They're gonna get held up. But now you have no excuse because what are you really doing? So yeah. um, really, I think it's just, uh, I think every actor has to hold themselves self-accountable. Like yeah. No one cares about your career more than you, like your agent. I mean, you know, they got tons of clients. Yeah, they're gonna help yeah. you out, but you know, at the end of the day, they only get ten percent of your money. So really, you are the one that has to do ninety percent of the work. Um, yeah, for sure. But I mean, you know, now you have no excuse. So then you ask yourself, like, why aren't you doing that? And a lot of times, I think what I found with most actors, I think they're just scared. Quite honestly, they have their, you know, all of us have that insecurity that, well, if I put myself out there, then you know, am I really, do I have enough to kind of take the next yeah. step? Well, God forbid, I think the worst thing that can happen for us actors is, you know, especially for me is like a lot of times I'll audition and the worst thing that happens is I book the job because then I go, oh shit, oh. you know, now I actually have to do the job. I <laughs> and like there's like a lot of jobs where I have to speak like other language, you know, I have to speak Chinese or Mandarin, which is not my, you know, I speak Cantonese, but you know, I learned Mandarin and I am, I know enough to be dangerous. So I'll do the audition and I'll, you know, learn what I need to say and I'll do it. Then they're like, Oh, you know, we're going to book you out. Here's 10 more pages of Mandarin. And you're like, Oh my God, like I'm going to completely, you know, and you know, that happened to me on uh, Mr. Ro Mr. Robot. I, yeah. After like, you know, two seasons here and there. And I did the audition and I kind of like conned them enough where they, they booked me. And I was like, then they sent me the script. And I was like, oh my God, like what the hell did I just do? Because I don't, you know, I don't, yeah. you know they wanted me to speak with a Beijing yeah. accent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so. lo I, lo I love that line, be know enough to be dangerous. I kind of yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. But that's how most actors are. We fake it until we make it, right. but then we're going to get called out. But it's good because it was a great experience for me because I really was like, okay, I've got two weeks to learn all this stuff. And they're good. They hired, um, you know, the good thing is the other characters that were on the show that were speaking Chinese, they didn't speak uh, Mandarin either. Yeah. So we kind of all learned with the same dialect coach, um, which is great. I mean, you know, but like I said, at the end of the day, when you're, they're rolling the cameras, you're kind of like, oh my God, like, you know, and, you know, you kind of, you know, you kind of get the cold, I call it the ass sweats. Like you just start sweating, yeah. you know, like, you know, when you're getting ready to start rolling. But, you know, I think, again, you're not, no one's going to die. Right. So you kind of have to remind yourself that. And then when you get done, like anything that you do, I'm sure like when you did a performance, you're dreading it, dreading it, dreading it when you're like, dan when you're a dancer, mm -hmm. you know, but then once you get done, you're going see, you know, I did it, you know, and now I've, you know, broadened my range and my, my bandwidth. So now, the next thing I do isn't going to be as stressful, you know, right. so then things become at least easier because you get, you get the muscle memory going. Yeah. I, I remember I had a friend recently who just asked me if, you know, if I, you know, for shows, do I still get nervous? And I say, of course I get nervous every single time. Even if I am doing the same show I've done a hundred times yeah. right before I go on stage, I'm always nervous. But oh, yeah. as soon as I start it, like if I step on stage and do the first thing and maybe I mess up, maybe I like I, I all those nerves just go away. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I think for us for film acting, it's like 
once you get past the rehearsal, the initial rehearsal before they, while they're blocking, trying to figure out the blogging, then once you get the first take, then, you know, by, by take, while you're doing it from all the different camera angles, by the 20th time, it's just, you just have it down like the Pledge of Allegiance, basically. It's just like yeah. you get in a groove. Um, and that's the beauty of, you know, you look at like um, me as a film actor. I mean, it's, I was really meant to do film acting. I was never meant to do theater very good sprinter like i can do anything well for two minutes where people that do like plays yeah. you know they have to kind of be more of a marathon runner where they're basically going from start to finish and bring from this point all the way to the top and coming down for you know let's say two hours right well interesting thing about the film acting stuff is like you're like okay well this today i'm going to do this one scene which is completely out of order from so it's like, you know, it's like you bring, you know, you just kind of just focus on those, what's right. going on in those two minutes, basically. So it's a, it's a different, you know, I, I find it easier. And then, like I said, but it's, you know, obviously, they hmm. play. You yeah. Know. You're cutting in and out. You start to, yeah. to freeze a little bit, but I, I, I mean, I catch you. I catch you. Like, it's been like a second or two, but we'll just keep going. But, um, so do you do any of your own work like do you write at all or think it thought about it or you're just you take what i'm not gonna lie i'm like probably the least creative person <laughs> you'll have ideas but i'm just not i don't have that discipline um, right of writing and you know that's I'm, I'm a very good i think it's like you tell me what to say and i'm i can to do um right. You know, no, I mean, I wish I, you know, obviously there's, I mean, you know, that being said, like, you know, this time off that I've had, I've been kind of watching, like I subscribed to that master, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a really nice, um, very professionally done. Like, so you, it has everything from cooking to dancing, to DJing, yeah. to acting, to directing. Now, did, did, I, I've, seen, I've, I've seen that too. I've seen that too. Now, have you started it and do you like it? Oh, I love it. I think okay. like, and if you're going to take an acting class and you watch Helen Mirren talk about acting. Yeah. Talking about acting or I have Marty Scorsese has uh, yeah. on directing and I think Ron Howard. <laughs> so, you know, you might as well learn from the mat. Truly when you talk about master class, these are true masters. Yeah. They're true I think it's a great opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I've thought about it. I just think, ah, you know, I have so many subscriptions to so many things. Like I just got an IMDb um, and backstage and all these other things. And, and it, it adds up. And, you know, especially right now, people are trying to save money. And, you know, yeah. luckily, I'm a little I'm a little more entrepreneur. I have tendencies. I wouldn't say I'm a purebred. Um, but, you know, I do have side hustles on the side making up some money, but in, in, in your experience, I mean, you've worked with a lot of people. What are some of the more creative ways that actors can, you know, keep the ship afloat while still pursuing this? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I see, I mean, I can only speak for what I do. Yeah. Um, I always say that what I did was probably the most financially appealing and very flexible, like, you know, selling, doing real estate sales to me was 
you know, the same amount of time that you would spend doing any other sales type job, but the money was so much you know, higher. I mean, if you look at what a real, just to do very broad math, I mean, if, you know, if I sold a house today that said it was like a $300,000 house. Well, that equates to $7,500, yeah. you know, so, you know, you know, you do that a couple of times a month. Well, you don't have to worry about it. Right. Or, or even right? once a month or even once a month, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but think about it. It's like, it's an easier, well, and it's, like I said, the reason why I transitioned to acting so well is because sales, quite frankly, is very similar to acting. It's just more improvisational. It's listening to what people want, you know, what they want and you figure out what they want. And this, as far as like, you know, if you're selling cars, you know, someone walks on to a Toyota lot and you're a Toyota salesman. Well, your job is you have to sell them the Toyota car. Right. And you can be the best salesperson in the world, but if they end up saying, well, I like Honda better. Well, it doesn't matter how good you are. You're not going to sell them the Toyota. But the beauty of, in my case, selling real estate is it's, you're really just a matchmaker. Like you don't have to be that hard salesman saying, well, well, what is it going to take for me to get you in this house? Because you're just a matchmaker. You get to show all the houses and say, Oh, you know, they go, Oh, I hate this house. You know, I wanted a, another bathroom. Well, okay, no problem. We'll go find you another house that has a bathroom. And then you take them to X amount of houses and then they find what they want. And then, you know, you earn your money by negotiating, learn how to negotiate and, dealing with the other agent and getting it to settlement, which once you sell a couple of houses, I think, you know, yeah. you know, just like anything, the learning curve is not that steep. Um, and getting started is not hard either. But the, the, the key thing that's compatible with acting is because once you get started, like, you know, you know, if you have an audition in New York, like you can always say, well, I can't show the house today or I can have one of my friends, my, one of my associates show you the house. Right. There's flexibility. Whereas if you work a typical nine to five job, I mean, you can't, you can't do it. And, that, and that's the problem with most actors. It's like, you know, if you have a regular job, which is fine, you, you have to have a job. It's like, um, but if you only have two or three weeks of vacation, well, you would spend that just on auditions alone. Yeah. You know, so God forbid you actually book a job. Like how are you going to do your job? How are you going to do your real paying job? You know I mean? So that's why I think why most people are bartenders or waitresses right. or waiters, you know, because that gives you the flexibility. But I think for me personally, like I've always been a big advocate of real estate because it's just, it's such a, it's the same amount of work, if not even less work. Cause yeah. once you get established, you know, people, all my friends that I grew up with, all the friends I went to high school, college, all my fraternity brothers, they, you know, for years would just call on me. So it just becomes like, a, it's just more, it's Referral. more of a network based. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and same thing with acting. I mean, it's all about the connections you make. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it oh, yeah. And I think that it, it goes hand in hand. I think that's the key thing that uh, if you look at getting back to the whole acting thing, I mean, where I, I think I told you this, like where I lacked in acting ability, especially in the beginning, I made up for it because I was a wall street, you know, type, you know, came from a Wall Street background, you know, as a salesman, obviously, for decades. So just learning how to deal with people and just having common sense of how to deal with the business of show business is right. the right. biggest death trap for most actors. Most actors that I know, you know, they 
can get very bitter about why they haven't, you know, made it. And when I watch them on set, it's very clear why they have made it because they themselves have self-sabotaged themselves mm-hmm. way more than anyone else could yeah. do that to them. You know, and it's very the, small things, you know, it's, 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 it's the way you work with people. It's, you know, not knowing how to communicate certain things and then it comes out in bad behaviors. And yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of actors who are extremely talented, but don't understand the business and they take the business and they try, you know, thinking that their talent is going to speak for itself and yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest conflict most art artists have is they don't want to, they feel like it's a sellout because it should solely be on their talent. Right. And it's and not. Like, well, that's all fine and good, but you're talking about showbiz. Like if you want to go into film and TV, then it's show business. It's really like, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, which just always gets people upset, artists like and actors yeah. upset, break down what, television film acting is especially television acting it's like well you're just trying to all you're there for is to help sell ad space for the network Mm -hmm. i mean you know and you know yeah you're an artist but really their ultimate goal why this show is on tv is because they want the show to be successful so procter and gamble or miller light is gonna buy you know this ad during the commercial break of you know csi new york and you know i I think it but you might not agree with that, but I think if you have to step back from your artistic side and, and at least acknowledge that that's one component of how this works, you know, so I think you have to, under, you know, so if you're not even willing to, you know, acknowledge that part of that it's a business, then, you know, perhaps this isn't the right thing for you. Like, you know, yes, be an artist, you know, do theater, or, you know, do this or that, or, you know, that's fine. but. I, I've always embraced this as a business, um, whether it's pro or con. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think I use my business skills a lot when I'm on set. Um, I think I told you, like, I have a real thing about remembering names. Like, that's the thing I learned in college was like, you know, I took um, a course called Dale Carnegie. He's literally, it's a hundred year old class where he basically just emphasizes how in business and in this case she was everyone is everyone's driven by their ego like it's all about them and especially with actors it's all about their own ego so when you go to directors and producers then it's really about ego so just simple stuff like remembering their name like when i just little things that you probably a lot of your viewers never even think about because they're just focused on the role and stuff but when i go to an audition for a network show like you know, I'll know who the director is, I'll know who the writers and the producers are, and I'll do my homework on those people, you know, individually, like, you know, where they went to school, what other um, TV shows he did, like, how do you get started? Um, Just for the fact that I would at least understand where they're coming from in in the show, and then more importantly, when I do book it, then I have a familiarity with them. So then right. when I'm on set, you know, I'll, even though I, you know, knew that he had, you know, a son and a daughter and they played soccer. Well, not like I'm purposely making a conversation about that. It's just, but at least I know that yeah. and I kind of know them pretty well. So then the conversation kind of turns into like personal stuff. And then we find that we can relate, you know, yeah. on a level outside, outside of, 
you know, the, the episode and these conversations might not happen at all, yeah. but at least I myself am totally prepared for that. Whereas that's really extreme yeah. that next level stuff. And some people will probably say, well, I'm not into that. Well, you know, it's kind of like, but yeah. you would be more, more so flattered yourself if someone exactly. was engaged with you and just could relate to you and, you know, got to know you on that level because, you know, that's your own, you know, so at a minimal point, just the fact that you would remember the, you know, sound person's name, yeah, you know, or the, you know, the assistant director, you would know their name, you know, just, just when you have conversations and even like, you know, even like now, I mean, I haven't done background work for probably 18 years, but when I'm on set, you know, I make sure I try to remember even the background actor's name. So when I come up to him, I say, hey, Karen, hey, John, you know, how you doing? And, you know, you can see it really makes a difference in their yeah. day, especially if you're like a back, I remember what it was like being a background actor, like, you know, so much less, you know, so, you know, just the little thing, it's all the little things, yeah. you know, um, but, but, you know, the private home, there's a lot of, um, you know, I think I've got probably like 50 credits, you know, from as far as TV shows or movies I've done. And I've gotten, I've, I've gotten a lot of roles where when it came down to it, they were like, well, I saw that when you auditioned, I looked at your resume and I saw that you worked with so-and-so and I'm a friends with him. So I called up so-and-so yeah. and said, hey, you know, what do you think of Lyman? He just auditioned for me. And, you know, my friend said, you know, hey, you know, he's great. I said, if you want to have an easy 16 hour day of just laughing and having a great time, you know, right. he's your guy. And, and you, sh and you show up and know your lines on top. Yeah. 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 I mean, just, these are long days and the last thing you need is some asshole yeah. on set that is just a diva or, you know, just all about him or her and just not a nice person. So, you know, you find that when you're, competing for any of these roles, whether it's cop number three or a guest star, you're always in a tie with yeah. two or three people at least. I mean, if you even get to that point where you're in a, in a this, it's a decision time between you or two other people. Well, stupid stuff like that guy calling up the guy, the you know, director on the show that I did four years ago and says, Hey, what do you think of Lyman in China? And they're going to go, oh, he's a great guy. You'll love him. You know, he's, yeah. you know, treats everyone so well. well guess what you just got the job because of that yeah I, and and I, and I can speak to that firsthand because I've you know even though I haven't been acting very long I've been in a few rooms in which it was me and maybe two other guys for a role and um luckily there are databases out there where you can research and look at the shows and you can find who got your role and each time that I've been able to look and do some research, I went, oh, that person has worked with so-and-so, or they have 10 more credits than I do, or, oh, that one girl who was in the, the casting room, that's who got it because they wanted a female. They just, just made a choice. Like, right. So it's, a lot of it's out of your control, but like you said, you can kind of create that serendipity to you know just yeah. know the person's name, be a nice person. Like, it, it, you know... It's, yeah, it's, it's just a feel. Yeah. It's just like when you, when you, you know, you and I met at the, our agency party in Philadelphia yeah. and it's like, you know, within five seconds, you know, whether this 
person is engaged or is a nice person, yeah. generally speaking. And then obviously as you build on it, then you, you know, obviously you and I got along very well. And, you know, and, you know, it's just, that's how, and, and you know, I mean, we all know 10 people at least that you meet them and they're all about them. So it's very clear that it's just, yes. You know, who are, they're just trying to size you up and how they can help you in the business or yes. what they do and how they find out what you're doing or, who you are is how they're going to respond in kind, mm-hmm. whether or not they're going to invest any time talking to you. And right. no, I just, yeah. I see that so much. And I find that that's just so, that just drives me nuts when I, well, I just see, you know, when, especially if you go out to LA for any period of time, that's basically everyone that so much. Yeah. And it's just yeah. so like, it's just maddening, but you can see why, like I said, most actors, they do more damage to themselves than any, casting director or, or you know any you know any audition they could do i mean they, yeah. you know it's just they you know they they're like they're, they're non-starters from the beginning you know yeah and, and and it doesn't matter how pretty you are or how good your your method is or who your teachers really are um you know empathy goes a long way sure well, and also, even if you do have a ton of talent, after a while, it catches up. If you're a, right. not a nice person, it's going to yeah. catch up. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, yeah, you can be like, there's obviously some actors are just that good that people are saying, well, you know what, I, I got to deal with it because he brings X amount to the box office or she is a big star. And, you know, we need, the, you know, we need, you know, we need this person to carry the cast. Well, that's fine. But even those people, it catches up to them. It catches up. And, and you see that with big, big, big names in these past few years, like the whole Me Too movement. Oh, and, yeah. you know, I'm not going to name names, but people in the know know who I'm talking about. Oh, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, these people have been getting away with, you know, being that type of person for so long. And, and it's, it's not just men. It's not just women. It's, it's, there's, it's just a, a group of people who, um, yeah, but like you say, it, it, it just catches up to them. And um, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just the golden rule. I mean, at the end of the day, when in sales, we have the golden rule. So it's just kind of like, as long as you treat people the way you want to be treated, well, you can never lose. Exactly. You know, and I've kind of done that with everything I've done because there's no reason to be a jerk. I mean, especially like a prime example is um, when I was a background actor, my first year of doing background acting on that show hack um you know there was another background actor that i got to be friendly with and we just you know you know no no attitude just got to know each other had fun you know he moved out to la and i just lost touch with him but then every time i went to la i would end up going there's a philly sports bar in santa monica that we used to go to for eagles games. so every eagles game we would go to this bar and then everyone that's in the industry would be at this bar um and we just had fun this and that well Lo and behold, I didn't even know this. He became a producer. And then one day he called me up and was like, hey, you know, I'm producer now. And, you know, I saw that you just did a movie with so-and-so and I'm doing this movie. And, you know, we're, I was just wondering if you wanted to do it. with yeah. And I was like, oh, absolutely. I would love to do that. But, you know, it was just, you know, we were talking like 10 years later, you know. So it's just, you know, these relationships, you just never know who that PA that you mistreated, you know, is becomes a Martin Scorsese. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you, just, you never know. I mean, you know, so it's just, there's no reason to treat anyone poorly. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it is what it is. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of people get their ego wrapped up into this, but um, now, now moving forward, you know, I'm all about advice and we, we, we have some great advice that you just spat out there. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're starting off, do you recommend that people, you know, work in, you know, with, with coaches and things like that? Or, you know, in your case, you were a background actor for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's case specific to the person or do you, have you seen one road kind of be more successful? No, I, I think the beauty of this business is it's not like you're a doctor or a lawyer and you have to follow this very distinct path of getting certified or getting your medical degree. I mean, you know, there's, you know, you, you can't just wing it and say, Hey, I just showed up and went online and now I'm a brain surgeon. Yeah. You know, the beauty of acting is you can be like me and just decide to do it when you're 30, never did one damn thing, yeah. you know, or you can train, you've been doing plays since you're five years old and, this is your life and you went to Juilliard and whatever. And, you know, we all are, we all have the same goal. So I think it's whatever works for you. I think as long as you're doing something and I think as long as you do it with a strategy and a plan where you say, Hey, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. Um, long-term this is, you know, this is what I want to do. Like, you know, I think like there's a certain point uh, when I was doing background acting, there was a, you know, well over a year into it, I finally said, you know what, I think I've learned everything I need to learn from this. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, because it was just, you know, I, I, yeah. I felt that, you know, even if I did for another year, like what else was I going to get from it? And I, you know, that was a personal decision for me. Um, you know, I did background work, but I also took classes, you know, I took classes at Mike Lemon, um, had a coach early on um, just to kind of help me, you know, find my way. And then ultimately, once you actually start working, you know, on a consistent level, then really that's the ultimate experience, that's the ultimate practice you need. And, you know, once you start auditioning frequently, then that's your practice. So, you know, you might, you know, some people even trained actors still do plays or they even still take classes. I, you know, I personally haven't taken classes for a very long time. Yeah. Um, whether or not that would help me or not, that's, you know, obviously, you know, neither here nor there, but it's just a decision I made that says, you know, I only have time for, you know, this and that, you know, two kids, you know. Yeah, you have a life. So you you make decisions, but I think a lot of it though is you have to, in your mind, say, this is what I want to do and this is my goals for the next five years. Like this is like, you know, you have to put these goals in place. I think most actors that, I know are very good checkers players. Like they're very good at playing checkers, but you know, in business and in acting, really, I think if you become a very good chess player, like you have to look way down the line. And a lot of it, like I said, you have to look way down the line with relationships. Like I have relationships, you know, that were 10 years in the making where I never asked, like I have a lot of friends that were writers and, um, we were in the same agency in LA and, you know, we were just friends. And, um, you know, I, the easy move and for most actors would be like, Hey, can you like hook me up, put me in this and that. But I was like, I'm never going to ask them for one thing, you know, because if they want to use me, um, they'll ask me, you know, and if, but if I ask, then it's almost a bad rub because it's going to be like, you know, what, you know, you might get something out of it, but they'll never 
they'll kind of hold a grudge against you for right. asking putting them in that situation. Yeah. And so a lot of these relationships were like me, you know, making moves or just me doing my job and, you know, making sure they knew that I was doing my job and where I was progressing. And then 10 years down the road, one of my friends who was a writer became a showrunner and he, you know, had me read for a show um, and I got it. And then I subsequently was on three of the shows. But, yeah. you know, this is 10, 14 years. Like, you know, when I met him, it wasn't like I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, you like to just say, you know, 13 years down the line, you know, you know, you just have to put the things out there and then basically, you know, you know, no hope that, you know, your work is going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, you know, you were talking about, think about, you know, um, 10 years down the line, I, I've been um, following Bonnie Gillespie. I don't know if you know that name. Yeah. She helps with a lot of actors and, um, she always talks about that North Star and to kind of reverse engineer all the points from that, you know, dream role, that dream situation you want to be in. And, you know, you, you, you know, maybe you're, you know, on some sort of dream role, but who's your agent before that and yeah. manager? And then before that, what are the next tier underneath that? And then what are the roles and the kind of things you go for? you're a guest star and then before that you're a co-star and then your background before that so how in in your experience did you get to that point where you know maybe you had some background roles and maybe a thing or two here and there and then how did how did it change from that to you're working you're a working actor how how, how did you navigate that well i think a lot again it's just you have to just ask yourself what are you willing to you know, what do you want to spend your time on? And hmm. is this work? And I think a good example is, you know, transitioning from background work and just saying, you know, I'd rather not work at all yeah. than do it again, because, you know, I'd rather, you know, because, yeah, it's an, it's an easy crutch for actors to say, I just want to stay relevant. I want to still do what I'm doing. So the hardest thing is to say, well, I'd rather just not do that again and just focus on this, even if this doesn't come for months, years, you know, I just can't deal with another day. I just am not gonna get anything else out of doing that. And mm. if I need to do that to validate myself as an actor, then maybe I'm just, you know, I've got the wrong mentality. And I think that's how I was when I was um, deciding to go for my SAG card. And I had uh, gotten my eligibility really early on, like I think within, I think four months of me, you know, being an actor, I think I got my eligibility. And my agent was like begging me not to get my SAG card um, because she was like, Philadelphia is a very non-union town. You're, yeah. you haven't really gotten anything yet. You know, there's all these industrials and commercials that you could do, which you wouldn't be able to if you joined the union. So I actually held out for two years. Um, and I, but then, like I said, I hit a point where I said, you know what, I'm not going to learn one more thing from yeah. doing a non-union commercial or doing a non-union training video you yeah. know, like I'm not going to, there's nothing else to learn and I'd rather not work, you know, ever again, yeah. you know, but then, so, but you know, and that's, I think for every actor there, they have that mm. threshold, but you have to be secure in yourself to say, you know what, like if I've got it, it's going to work out, you know, and I'd rather spend my time preparing. I think a lot of it is just, are you going to be ready for when you do get the call and you get the audition? Yeah. Like, are you going to be able to, get it and yeah you know 
and you know, some actors it just never happens or they have a chance, but they weren't ready and they blew it. And then the chance might not come again. And um, I think that's the hardest conflict for most actors is getting that, you know, getting the break is the most challenging and arduous you know, thing for an actor. Like I was very lucky. In fact, I think I told you I was pretty much gonna get out of the business um, like in 2005. So I'm like three years into yeah. the business. And, you know, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I've kind of done everything. You know, I think I thought I kind of reached my max. Um, and then just, the, you know, as far as film and TV acting, one thing I think I told you is like you, you know, as a performer, when you're a dancer or an artist or a you know, theater actor, like you have to be able to do multiple things, like, you know, triple threat, you know, be able to be versatile. Yeah. And yeah. when you learn yeah. television film is like, you just need to know what you're good at. Like, what are they going to see you as? you know, and just know what that is. And right. that's you know, all you're trying to do is get your break. So if you look like a guy that's a blue collar guy, then you just need to focus on that and just get that stuff down. And for me, I mean, I was very lucky. My, my big break was um, I worked with Scorsese in The Departed. And quite honestly, if I didn't get that role, I'd probably been done decades ago. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those roles where they needed a big Asian guy they needed a guy that spoke perfect English, but then they needed a guy that was able to speak Cantonese. So it was just one of those lightning in a bottle things where I had all that, and there weren't really any other real actors that had that skill set. Right. It worked anyway, and so I just got that role. And you know, just I had been going three years without getting even getting a one liner in anything. You know, like just literally go to auditions, nothing, 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 nothing. You know, I did play in commercials, but I hadn't gotten any TV or film roles. But that's, you know, kind of the stepping, stepping shit that every actor hopefully gets. Because once you get that, then it just opens up the door. Because once I did that, then all of a sudden people are like, well, hey, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's so, the business is so subjective. It's like, if you just showed someone a painting and said, oh, what do you think of this painting? And they're like, Oh, it's garbage. Like, what the hell? Like, I would never that. Oh, it's uh, one of Picasso's first paintings. Then they go, Oh my God, that's worth $3 billion because it's so subjective. Yeah. So I think that's what unfortunately happens with casting directors and and with directors and producers. They're going to see performances and they're going to see 50 of the same character performing. And then, you know, they're looking for things to kind of help themselves, you know, put you outside the box or take you out of the box. Um, And, Unfortunately, they're gonna look at what you've done. So if you have a credit like that, then it becomes, you know, it legitimizes you quite a bit. So, so. yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I totally get it. You, and, and, and that's a way to separate yourself from the pack. Now, how do you? Because a lot of this is about, you know, representation too. Like you can't just walk into casting. Yeah. So, so how, how did you create leverage in order to get those? higher tier agents to look at you well i think um for me like i said i think it's still the same thing like you have to play to your strengths so for me it was like hey i don't have a big guy i speak you know I'm obviously asian yeah. you know, but i speak you know chinese and you know but i also speak yeah. english and i can play do the accents and also so at least to get an agent at least you pl- i played to my strengths and you kind of have to go from a business point of view of saying the agents make money 
if they if you book like they, yeah. you can you know so yeah. they're looking from the business point of view saying oh why would i have cameron why would i have lyman and for me as a salesman i'm like well you want to go with me even though i haven't booked anything yet because i'm young i'm hungry i've got these niches that although i don't fit the box for many things but if they're looking for this thing i'm your guy and i'm gonna book you, you know well that's interesting to an agent who goes well i don't have anyone that speaks chinese so i might as well bring this person on because you know it's going to come up and then instead of me having 50 people to submit i have this one person that i can submit where i would have never had the person so like like for you example it's just like hey i'm a professional dancer well i mean 999 you know other actors don't have that skill set right. so that agent's gonna say well you know what you know he's got a great look at this and that but he has this skill set so when they have that law and order svu episode where it's the you know new york bell you know whatever right then you're it i mean that's it you're in you know and you yeah. could have Audition for 50 other roles of cop number, waiter number two, yeah. this, that, that, but that's your wheelhouse. Like you're going to, odds are your break is going to come because of that skill set that you have that no one else has. And they have no other choice but to pick you or three other people instead of other role, waiter number three, there's 10,000 people they could pick from. And it's yeah. really throwing dark forward. But when you play to your strengths, then there's only like three or four people that can fill that role. So, you know, that's, but that's how you get the agent because you have to make it into what's in it for them. Yeah. Everything that you do as an actor is always looking at the, instead of looking at yourself with your ego, because that's all of us performers have that ego and it's all about us is you have to turn it around and say, what, what's in it for them? Like, why would they want to choose me? Like, what can I say to them or do that's going to go, ah, you know what? I'm going to go with this person versus everyone else. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes, that makes perfect sense, you know, and you know, it is a business. So you kind of have to treat it yourself as a businessman, only you're the product. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, great stuff. Now, is there anything else that you would like to say to um, younger perform or, or even people who are older and just starting out? Oh, um, I mean, I think you have to love it. I mean, if you're doing it, I mean, I'll, I'll be, I won't lie to you. When I first got into it, I was like, well, you know, I just want to be famous and I want people <laughs> yeah. to, you know, my, a lot of it was just ego driven. Where I was a lot like, of us are like that. A lot of us, yeah. you know, just want to say, hey, I want to work with Scorsese. I want to be, oh, you, yeah. know, and, you know, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it too is like, you know, like, you know, I mean, I, I think, uh, and, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder. I'm not going to lie. Like, I grew up in a, predominantly white and pretty, you know, backwards, uh, you know, uh, you know, at the time in the seventies where, you know, they're not going to really give an Asian kid that much of a shot at anything. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of felt like I had something to prove, but I, I, you know, but this was more at the end of the day though, I kind of really, I just loved it. Like, you know, I, um, you know, throughout my whole professional life of not, not being an actor, but just in the corporate world and the, sales board, I'd always try to like do the least amount of work, but you know, I would also be successful, but I'd always try to figure out, you know, how to do the least amount of time and this and that. And where I realized why I loved show business when I, you know, I think I told you my best day ever was my first day as a background actor. Mm -hmm. It was like a 16 hour day. And 
I was just so into it. Like I just loved yeah. the fake diner that was, they made this diner out of this box in this old condemned civic center in West Philly, which is now where like I think UPenn Hospital is. And when they called it a wrap after 16 hours, I was like, oh my God, I don't want this to end. Like, I just love this. And if you knew me before this, you would never see me work 16 hours doing anything, you know, ever. So, you know, you have to love it because you're not ultimately doing it for the money. I mean, you know, you're not, this is not something that you're doing to be rich. I mean, you know, there's, um, and it's become very obviously, you know, prevalent in this COVID-19 that, you know, all these actors, like, you know, they were obviously already heavily, their side gig was probably working in a restaurant or at a bar, so they're doubly screwed. So um, it's very apparent now. But I think, you know, you obviously have to love what you're doing, but then you also have to just say, you know, it's a very finite um, life. Like, you have to kind of just enjoy the journey and whatever successes you have you just enjoy it that day. Like every time I work on a set, I kind of treat it as this is the last time I'm ever going to work on a set ever again. And I treat it as such, like this could be the last time I ever work. Um, And that's how I was when I did The Departed. And I went to the red carpet and all that stuff. I was like, I'm just going all out because it's over. This is a one one trick pony and my career is over, but I got to do this and, you know, I can say I did it. And then obviously if another gig comes, then great. But I think you have to just enjoy the moment and, you know, don't fixate on what other people are doing. You're just competing with yourself. And if you're doing what you're doing, you know, that should be enough for you. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't have to worry about what other people are doing if you're already loving it. Yeah. I mean, like case in point, you came from an immigrant family and you probably had tons of people looking at you saying, why, why, why are you doing this? Like, why oh, are yeah. you, you know, focusing on your time. career? You know, and, and now I'm sure that, you know, they're saying else, uh, uh, you know, different things now because they've yeah. seen I mean, what you've done. Yeah, I mean, if you listen to all the naysayers, you know, you know, you'll never, you would never, you know, you would never get to this point. But, you know, there, uh, the flip side of that is there's a certain point where you have to say, well, this is detrimental to my relationships, like my family, my spouse or my children. You know, you do have to yeah. step back and kind of understand because you do need a certain level, especially in the beginning where, you know, I was obsessed. Like I was like so driven to try to make it where in retrospect, when I look back at it, thank God my, my wife was very supportive, but she put up with a lot of bullshit, quite honestly. And, I think any other spouse would have probably said, you know, this is it. this is over. Um, but yeah, you know, she, you know, she was being very supportive, and thank God because, you know, it, and like I said, I, you know, I'm not gonna make it seem like I have this unbelievable career, but I'm also, but I'm very thankful for what it's happened, and it's way more than I ever dreamed it would be. So, you know, like I said, I if you if you told me 20 years ago when I started this that I would even have what I have. You, I, would, yeah. would, I think all of us would have just laughed yeah. about it. Um, so again, that's the whole thing. It's just appreciate what you have and just understand that it's just a very long journey. Yeah, that's great. Thank yeah. you so much for all this. Yeah. You know? yeah. I right. mean, well, best of luck to you. You know, I hope that you weather the storm <laughs> and uh, you know, thanks so much for sitting down. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having us.
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you got any value from this, please share with a friend and make sure to subscribe so you can listen to every new episode. All right, have a great day.